Well, good morning, church. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Um, if you haven't figured it out by now, Dr. Mike Glenn is away. Um, he had a birthday this week, and so I hope you'll join me in praying for him and with him. That'll be relaxing and rejuvenating. Um, and I am honored and privileged to get to serve Jesus and his church uh, by preaching to you this morning. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's not fair. We like Mike better than you, all right? Your skinny legs and your little beard. It's fine every once in a while, but it hurts my eyes. I, I understand. If that's where you're at, maybe you just need to take some time and confess your sin. Um, but the best advice I could give you this morning is, you're right, it's not fair. It's the holidays, get used to it. I tried calling Hallmark and saying, hey, do you want to adopt that as the official motto of the holidays? It's not fair. We'll probably all be better off. I'm going to hear it 100 times from my kids. Um, and so I think maybe if we just came to embrace that, we'd probably be better off for it. We are four days away from Thanksgiving, correct? And some of you will gather up with your disastrously dysfunctional family. And you're going to be muttering, it's not fair. Some of you won't be able to get home to family, or you don't have family. It's not fair. Some of you, this will be the first Thanksgiving without a loved one. It's not fair. Some of you, instead of being with your family, you'll do Friendsgiving and just hang out with people you like. It's not fair. <laughs> and some of you, We'll have the perfect Thanksgiving. There's going to be plenty of food and plenty of room and plenty of pictures that you post to Instagram about your perfectly well-behaved kids. It's not fair because it's a lie and we don't believe you. So stop it. And knowing all that's coming in four days, you just want to come to church only to discover they're doing a Christmas series before it's even Thanksgiving. It's not fair. You're welcome. Let's embrace it. Because in the text that we're going to read this morning, the unfair favor of God drastically and dramatically interrupts a little girl's life. And how she responds to it changes everything. Would you stand with me in the honor of reading God's word? We'll be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Starting in verse 26. I'll pray for us as you're turning there. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Together we say the words that ravish your heart. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town called Galilee and Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and an angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, we don't talk about those things on Sunday morning. <laughs> Preach the word, people. <laughs> Sometimes it preaches you. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Brilliant. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this in the six months for who her was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. Watch this response now, church. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Be you can be seated. That wasn't fair, was it? Like, you got to think about it. Here's Mary who just gets chosen. Why is it fair that Mary gets chosen? Certainly there's better options on the homecoming court in Galilee County High School. Okay, And based off of Mary's description of herself, but later on in the song that she would sing, you will know that Mary is just plain and poor. She's meek, mediocre, living a small and seemingly insignificant life. She's engaged. She's trying to plan a small wedding. She's scrolling through Pinterest, looking at all the wonderful ideas she'll never be able to afford. When all of a sudden Gabriel drops in and says, greetings, you who are highly favored from God. Why? Couldn't God have picked a different way, a little bit more dignified, so we wouldn't have to read awkward texts like that on Sunday morning? Couldn't he pick people who were more qualified? But he didn't. He chose Mary. I love what Robert Tanhill says about this text. It is exactly because Mary is nothing that God chose her. She is a young girl in a society that values men and maturity. She's nothing. But nothing is impossible with God. Whenever we give God nothing, he turns it into something for someone. And he's doing the same thing in this text through Mary, who is plain and poor, meek and meager, small and seemingly insignificant. God's favor has found her. 
And I believe this morning, if you're willing to listen and lean in and hear about the life, the death, the resurrection, and the return of King Jesus, his favor can find you again this morning. I don't care what season of life you're walking through. I don't care what circumstances were screaming at you before you walk through those doors. Right here, right now, God's favor can find you. Whether you're in the midst of a tragedy or a triumph, whether you're unemployed or gainfully employed. Whether you got a clean bill of health or you just got a diagnosis that's rocking your world, God's favor can find you. If you're overwhelmed or underwhelmed, if you're bored or you're betrayed, if you're successful or you're suicidal, no matter what, God's favor can find you. I know it can find you because it found me. I was a nobody and nothing kid from a cold cracking town in Pennsylvania learning disabled and hyperactive, a six-year-old on his bottom bunk crying out to God, save me. I don't understand how it all works out, but I know that you're real and I wanna spend my life and my eternity with you. God's favor found me again in my teenage years when I was running and rebelling as hard as I could against rituals and rules. What I really wanted was a relationship and I had no idea how to ask for it. God's favor found me in my 20s. And I was still wounded and wandering, wondering would God ever do anything significant in and through me. God's favor found me again in my 30s. And I was full of anxiety and depression. My body was breaking down and I didn't understand why. And he was faithful and true and God's favor found me again in my 40s when I'm still dealing with all of those things just at a different place because I realized this, all of God's promises are steadfast, faithful and true and they find their yes in Christ Jesus and that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's favor can find you this morning, no matter where you're at. You'll lean in and you'll listen. You'll discover something amazing. But even after all that, do you know what the text says when Mary finds out that she is favored? Did you notice it? She said she's deeply troubled. She's wondering what kind of greeting could this be? Why is Mary deeply troubled? She just won the Jesus lottery, okay? She is gonna be the most notorious mother for all of human history. It's awesome, you're welcome. Why are we deeply troubled right now? I wonder if it's something that she couldn't know in her mind, but she senses in her spirit that this privilege will also demand an incredible sacrifice. Ashley Cook, Claire says it this way, Mary has an honor yoked to a burden. Could her spirit possibly be intuiting the fact that once this happens, she will suffer judgmental stares and condemning comments behind her back about her, her husband, and where this child actually came from? Does she know that they'll spend time on the run as religious and political refugees in a foreign country fleeing a genocidal dictator to save her son's life? And can she know that when she places that child in the manger, that a silent shadow of the cross looms over top of it and that one day she'll stand by and watch her son beaten, 
broken, taunted, tortured, excommunicated, and executed by the very people he came to save. Why would the sinless son of God have to die this way so that God's favor could be extended to every human on the planet? Favor. It just ain't fair, is it? Favor ain't fair. Mary's got that favor, and it's going to require some unfair things of her. And let's just reassess, church. A lot of times when we say favor in Christian circles, what we mean by that is popularity or prosperity. Those things come and go. That's fine. Proverbs says don't set your heart on them. But favor, according to the Bible, means God has chosen you for an eternally significant task that will require an immense amount of sacrifice. Go ahead and tell Abraham that favor ain't fair. When he has to take the promised one, whom the promised child is supposed to come through, his son, put him on an altar and sacrifice him. Tell that to David when he's anointed king, that favor ain't fair because all of a sudden he's running from the king who won't get off the throne who's trying to take his life. Favor ain't fair. Tell that to Ruth. After her husband dies, she has to leave her homeland, all of her safety and security, go with her mother-in-law to Israel, only to discover she has to beg and glean from the fields of Boaz so that she and her mother-in-law do not starve. Favor ain't fair. Tell that to John the Baptist, who Jesus would call one of the greatest who's ever walked planet Earth. When from death row, he sends message to his adult cousin. Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? Favor. It ain't fair. But it's love. And love stronger than fair. And I can tell you this, men and women, one day I will stand before a righteous God. And in that moment, I don't want fair. I want his love. Because that's the only way I'll be standing in the first place. It's this time of year, uh, so there's a story I, I love to tell. It's by no means original to me, but I've made so many changes, I just claim it as my own anyway. So if you've heard a variation of this form before, don't worry, you've never heard this one, because it's awesome. Story's told of a little kid who's getting ready for Christmas, sits down in his room at his desk, takes out a sheet of paper, number two pencil, decides to go straight to the source this year. Dear Jesus... I have been a good boy this year. Therefore, I would like the following. One, Red Rider BB gun. Two, Boba Fett jetpack. Three, Nintendo Switch. You fill it in with whatever your ki crazy kids are asking for, okay? Five, $1,000, whatever. So he's going through, he's making his list, and he's pausing to think of the more loot that he wants, and he bites the top of his eraser, and he glances up to the top of his letter and rereads, this year, I have been a good boy. Thinks about something he did, says, oops, crashes out one year and writes six months above it. <laughs> Remembers what he did to his sister, crashes out six months, puts three months above it. Soon there's no more room at the top of the paper because he's gotten down to one week. 
He gets really, really frustrated. He stands up, he crinkles up the paper, throws it in the trash, runs uh, out to the living room, grabs his jacket, storms out the front door, goes a block and a half down to the local church where they have a nativity scene, marches straight up to Mary, yanks her, and runs all the way back home with her. Gets to his room, throws Mary in the closet, shuts the door, takes out a new sheet of paper and says, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother alive again, I demand the following. I love that story. No, I'm not that kid. Why do I love it? Because it perfectly exposes how prone we are to use our behavior to bargain with God rather than to trust in his favor and forgiveness. How many of us in our prayer life are simply doing what that child has done? This year I've been a good boy. Please don't let anything bad happen to me. This year I've been a good girl, so make a relationship work out. Not only is that heretical, it's anti-gospel, which is why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I never did anything to merit the unbelievable, unfathomable love of Christ. Why do I think I'm going to do anything to pay it back? His favor, it ain't fair. And when it comes to us, it's going to require things of us that from our limited perspective, we might consider too much or unfair. But here's what I know. God is constantly at work and he is doing something eternal in your temporary circumstances. Even when it doesn't seem like it's fair. Again, I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet and we're already in a Christmas series. It's not fair. But here's what I want to remind us, church, as we walk into the Christmas season. Which, by the way, if you want this, Anne Welm says it this way. Christmas comes every time we see Christ in other people. If that's true, some people you're going to spend Thanksgiving with need an early Christmas. They need you to be ready to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. And I know, church, we're probably not going to have a hard time remembering to celebrate the first coming of Christ. My question is, have we forgotten to get ready for his second coming? Because he's returning again. I've got to do this. As, let me say this as, as straightforward as I can. I've got to warn some of you in here about what it's going to look like when he returns. The first time he came, he came to bring peace. The second time he comes, he's coming to wage war. That's Revelation 19.11. The first time he came, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. The second time he comes, he's riding a white horse. It's dipped in blood. And on that robe says the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's Revelation 19:16. The first time he came, he came full of God's favor and forgiveness. The second time he comes, he's bringing God's judgment and justice. That's Revelation 21:8. I know you know how to remember his first coming. Are you ready for a second coming? Because make no mistake, church, the Christ child is a child no more. He is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. And at his name, every knee will bow and tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. Amen.
Let's take a minute and pray. I don't want to put you on the spot or do anything awkward. But I do want to give you space. If you're not ready for the coming king, this morning's the time to get ready and respond. The way that you get ready for his second coming is you respond to his first coming and say, yes, I need that favor and forgiveness. And I'd encourage you to do it now. I'd also encourage you, we'll have ministers up front and in our next step booths. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to enter into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. For some of you, this is going to be a difficult week. And if you discovered you need spiritual family and community, we'd love to connect you to a life group. Or if you want to go ahead and start, make it official and join this church. But if there is anything that you're wrestling with in your life right now that from your perspective does not seem fair, ask God's favor to come upon you and the power of the Holy Spirit to overshadow you so that you are reminded with God nothing is impossible. Father, may it be with your servants, as you have said. Amen. Amen.